we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. The podcast of the beast of the early years of the Iron Maiden first album. Right. Part two. Yes. Yep. Reverberating through time. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Good. So last episode we did uh, Prowler and Remember Tomorrow. Yeah. And we got into the, it seems to me now like, well, it seems to me like a bit of a We've done so much of this early years. It's like got to get back in the mindset of where we were in the album. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we did the first two tracks. We talked about the recording of the album. Yeah, and the production. Yeah, and the production. But the history stuff. and the lead up to it. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Of course, we did tons of lead up to it in the so, very recently recorded early, yeah. early years. Yeah. The Maiden formation. I love this era of Maiden. It's yeah. one of my, that's probably I don't know if it's my favorite. It's my favorite now because it's currently what we're like what I've kind of got my head into. Yeah. Uh, it is cool. Yeah. Definitely cool. Um, it's such yeah. a different Maiden from like what's around now or what was around in the 80s. It really is. That's yep. my key takeaway. And that's why I'm a little hesitant because I think Maiden got a lot better than this stuff, which is why, you know, last episode, I think, you know, I said, oh, what's your take? You were like, it's a classic. I was like, oh, it's not above. It is for a first album. Yeah. It's not above criticism. And when you put it in, if you want to compare it on a I have some footing, criticism. I don't think oh, I have yeah. any criticism of side A of this album. Exactly. <laughs> Except. Well, we'll get up to that. Let's we'll get, get this beer that. on the go. Let's get on the spear. What so is this? this is another one that I brought back from Florida. Yeah. This is also in Bradenton. A couple of episodes back, we had one from Motorworks Brewery. Yeah. And I was talking about how it was a cool brewery, had a cool beer garden in the back. That's right. The same night. Me and my wife, or the same trip, me and my wife went to this one, which is Darwin Brewing Company, which actually had more interesting beers. It's a smaller brewery. They're kind of, you know, smaller scale. But they had really cool, interesting beers. We did flights, and it was, like, amazing. Nesbitt, Darwin beer? If I drink this, will I turn into a monkey? (laughs) (laughs) You trying to make a monkey out of me? (laughs) It's funny, yeah, because it says... uh, (laughs) I love Darwin, man. <laughs> it says evolutionary Florida beers. Evolutionary. I like but it. Darwin man. Brewing I'm, Company. I'm a man of science. Bring it. The beers there. Every single beer I had was either amazing or like super interesting. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Because they're putting some weird stuff. I wish I could remember at that point in the night. I couldn't remember. Yeah, you lost your, your track that night. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. It's the Summa, it's the summa Days. Summa Days, something like that anyway. India um, Pale Ale. India Pale Ale. It has yeah. like some, you know, like so almost like West Coast India yeah. iconography on the front. Almost like a yeah. Kerma Sutra thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's uh, like a South American thing. Do you ever meet anyone who's like anti-evolutionary theory and they're like, they're like, I'm not a monkey. Yeah, I'm like, you well, you're, you're obviously not a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't quite get it. You're calling me a chimp. You're calling me a chimp. I've been called worse. <laughs> I've been called much worse much by you. Worse. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Not in a few. Oh, this smells awesome. Oh wow! You know what? I'm sold on this theory. <laughs> Man, this is That's excellent. Good, eh? Yeah. It's hard though. There's a saying in Ireland: "It's hunger is good sauce." Well, thirst is good uh, sauce oh, yeah. as well. Like, I ate uh, for lunch today. I was starving. I'm doing this like going on holiday and you know i want to fit into my trunks oh yeah so i'm doing this slim down and i was like starving at lunch and i ate like a lunch that was objectively not that good but i like wolfed it oh yeah because i was starving i remember that's why it came back to me i was like hunger's good sauce (laughs) Mm. that's like when we were in england and we uh didn't eat and remember we took the train to go to robinson brewery yes and we grabbed uh like a sandwich in the train station that was like a piece of ham between yeah. two pieces of white bread. And yeah. I was like, oh, God, this is so good. I'm I starving. <laughs> yeah, remember the beer in the, yeah. in the station? Then we get to Robinson's. In case anyone's thinking about going to Robinson Brewery. Mm. They have awesome food there in the bar. Yeah, the food was great. Yeah, the beer yeah. was great. Yeah. That was almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Holy God. Didn't seem that yeah, long we ago. recorded from there. We did. We recorded. Not from the brewery. We recorded no, uh, from our From Airbnb. the Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah, we did one after... We did a Manchester one. I think we did a London one. Too. Yeah. We're going to do a live from Toronto. We should. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, honey. Got to go in and record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come back. Loaded from the Bell's Brewery there. All right. Yeah, this is excellent. Yeah, it's great. Let's get going. Let's get going into this album. Mm. Uh, our last uh, yeah. few episodes 
people have heard enough of us like they've heard enough of us off on tangents yeah, pontificating <laughs> so iron maiden first album yeah we never talked about the cover art no so this is my favorite maiden album cover i love hmm. it so it's yeah. Derek riggs this was painted by Derek riggs long before it was the album cover he had it in his portfolio kicking around it's called a painting called electric matthew says hello Nice. So uh, he painted it a year and a half before Maiden saw it. Wow. And apparently he saw a picture of a, a dismembered decaying head on a tank, like a, in Vietnam or something. Yeah. And he used that as an anatomical reference. Wow. So, so he painted someone it. who died whose face became the inspiration for this. Well, that's what they say. I don't know how true that is or mm. whatever. Maybe the inspiration. I've tracked down their bloodline. <laughs> I saw a picture yeah. online of what people thought with the picture, but nothing confirmed. Yeah. Um, so originally it had short, like punk, orange, punky, spiked hair. Um, the background too is based on like where Ted Stratton lived. The uh, if you go on our website or on our Twitter and our Facebook and you look at that map that I made of yeah, Walking Maiden. Yeah, it's a, a Google map and it has every single spot that we've talked about on the podcast on a Google map, so you can find it. And that lamp post, uh, I have a. That's one of the locations on our map. If you want to see exactly nice. in London where it is. Um, yeah. Walking Maiden, the podcast of the feet, I think we called it. Or something like that. <laughs> um, so Derek Riggs, he drew this character, put him in like a London sit- setting. Um, it's like putting when you put something kind of horrific like that in like an everyday context, mm-hmm. I think it's like extra horrific. Yeah, you know I what I mean. Call it horrific. It is a bit shocking, maybe. Uh, if you saw that in real life, I think you would be horrified. Oh, in, in real <laughs> yeah. life? Yes, I would. And when I say horrific, I mean this kind of looks like something from like a horror yeah. movie that genre. Although I did go to a few late night clubs in England, and a few people stumbled out <laughs> that didn't look far off. That to be honest, it reminds me of uh, not the picture, but did you see the movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. So that's one of my favorite horror movies because most of the time. That movie's like actually extra creepy and like the terror or horror is extra shocking kind of because it's most horror movies. It's like, oh, they're in a dark forest or they're in a whatever or they're in a hunted whatever. This is, it's like noon on a sunny day and they're just out in the middle of Texas and all this stuff's happening. And it's just like, holy crap, it's so like brutal when it's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I feel like it's an Eddie in like an everyday setting. And makes it seem like, I don't know. Wow. Like if he was in like a haunted cask or something, it'd be like, okay, that's like comic book stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I love this album cover. I, I Yeah, I, I, I love it. It's just classic. Yeah. I wouldn't say, you know, objectively, if it wasn't the first, would it be my favorite? I don't know. It's so striking and Eddie yeah. is so prominent. That's what yeah. I like about it. And the simplicity of it too. And it's... it has that, like the music has that kind of raw, yeah. in your face kind of... Uh, attitude yes which eddie does on the cover of this some of the eddies as you go on he's kind of like he seems almost like this like impish character where here he just looks like he'd you know stab you <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know oh there's so many great covers though yeah mm. we did a top five album cover yeah, we should do this, it again. Didn't you? uh i think i picked live after death as my favorite but this was one of my tops i can't remember yeah. when i picked this as my favorite yeah or maybe i did pick this yeah, I can't. That was like I two years ago. Either. Like, <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites was the uh, Made in England new one. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, you got me a canvas of it. It's on my wall yeah. up in my burr. But it's cool. Yeah. I love the lamp. Lamp post is at uh, ninety four Endymion Road, Finsbury Park, London. Nice. So the, all of the lamp posts are replaced, except for this one. Is the original one is still there? I don't know if it's on purpose. This one's on a bridge, so I'm wondering if that's why it got skipped in the replacement with like a more modern looking. Nice. One. Um, I really regret that we didn't go see it when we were in London. It didn't even occur to me. No, it did occur to you. You talked about doing it. And one day you were like, should we go to, you know. The... Oh, and then we did and think I about was it like, when we were at the drink. Carton Horses too. Yeah. We were drinking. We were like, should yeah. we leave? And we're like, it's we get close. an Uber up there and like get out of the Uber, take a picture and get back in the Uber and come back down and no. kill it. And we didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I was having none of it. I, yeah. I take full blame for that. <laughs> so Derek Riggs painted this picture, put it in his portfolio. Uh, I got a quote from him. He says that his agent, this is his agent told him, we don't think this is very commercial. No way. That's what he, his, Derek Riggs' agent told him. Understatement of the century. <laughs> the best and thing then, is he has an agent. Yeah. 
they re reissued it. So I have here, this is the reissue CD. Wow. And you can see how they digitally redid it. Way improved it, yeah. I bet. I bet it looks think. terrible. Yeah, you hate it. It's horrible. They yeah. completely ruined the album cover. Well, they the took away the essence. The first one is striking. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. They sucked the essence out of it and just like slapped out. I don't know. It's horrible. The yellow tint is gone. Background's darker, which makes the whole thing not even work. Yeah. The eyes are super lame. They're like, they don't dry. Like the original one, the eyes just look amazing. So the reissue, when did that come out? 1998, I think. Yeah. Why did they change it? I have no idea. Because in 98, they were basically, their relationship with Derek was on the rocks. But it wasn't a shout at him or anything. No, Derek Riggs is that one that came up with the new version. Did he come up with the new version as well? Okay, well, at least in that way, it's somewhat... Tried to improve it, I guess. Yeah. Make it more with the times. But, I mean, the original, the white eyes really anchor the picture. It, like, draws you in, where the other one doesn't at all. I don't know. The rest of it just kind of... I don't know. The original one has this like punk, greasy kind of hair. The new yeah. one is like kind of 80s hair, metal hair, fluffy yeah. <laughs> metal hair. I don't know. The like, entire vibe is gone. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. So I, I can debate you on whether or not that's the best. It's it's the most iconic. Yeah. It is. It defines them right out the gate. It's perfect for this album. Like you're saying, yeah. if I was to pick it objectively what's wrong with it i'd say maybe it's a little rough around the edges or maybe it doesn't tie into a theme but in the that kind of matches the but album. where they are yeah, exactly, exactly where i was going with yeah. it and then like why my my biggest issue is not the new one and what it looks like why would you even do it yeah, why would you don't, re- meddle with don't like, mess yeah. with it this is yeah. what made you this it's album. It's like that painting you were talking about. What yeah. is that painting that that woman oh, the, tried to... With the Jesus painting? Yeah, it's like a painting yeah. of Jesus or a saint or oh, something man, like I that. Oh, man, I love that. And some woman tried to, like, touch it up. <laughs> I, I kind of want to get a high-res <laughs> of the new one and frame it. Like, I, it's just so funny. And you constantly hear about, like, how this album jumps out at people. You read interviews with people, and they're like, that was my first Maiden album. I never heard Iron Maiden, but I was flipping through the stacks, and I yeah. saw that, and I had to have it. I had to have it. So it's like, it really works. Anyway, oh, that's all lost in that redone version, but yeah. I don't know. This original version on the vinyl, it's just beauty. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's beauty. It's no currently, question. I'll go, how about I say this? It's currently my favorite Maiden album cover. Currently. Currently. This week, as yeah. we cover the album. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to, uh, you know, it's 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 hard to pick a favorite. You do go in a bit of moods on it. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always loved this one. This has always been my favorite. Yeah. I would love to see the original Electric Matthew says hello with like the spiky orange hair. But he took that and actually painted over it the new hair. So that one's long gone. Yeah. Remember, you know, one I really love, and I saw it again recently. Where did I see it? In one of the Maiden uh, newsletters or something. But it was it was recently I saw the, the Brave New World cover blown up. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it was on a promo material. I was looking at it online. Yeah. And I can't help but see that background. Remember that background? Oh, right, from Frightening. Yeah. yeah. That was the guys in Winnipeg told us about that, yeah. right? I yeah. remember that now. We're going to do it's, Brave New yeah. World pretty soon, and yeah. we'll talk about that when we get into We'll talk that. about that when we do that, yeah. yeah. But, but my point was is your, your views on them can change, and just like your, your views on these albums, yeah. you know. Uh, it's interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Want to get into the tracks? Let's get into the tracks. So getting into, I know you hinted at this last episode. Yes. Can I give you my take at a high level and then you try and turn me around? Because you Go always for do it. that. Because you'll, you'll play this like, you'll talk about okay. running free. Let's get into yeah. the track and then we'll, we'll talk about the yeah. we'll talk about what you do or don't like about it. Yeah, because this is what you do to me. You're like, uh, uh, the, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like this track. Uh, and you'll be like, hang on a second. And then they'll be like, he wrote it for his dying daughter. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, actually, it's all right. <laughs> no, I want to give you my opinion okay, now. Give it first. And you can stick okay. it down my throat okay. after. Right? Obviously, I love this tune. Okay. It's a good tune. Yeah. You're sick of it. I'm a bit sick of it, and it's super simplistic, right? Yeah, now, it is. Now, I justify that because it it follows Remember Tomorrow, and it's right in front of Phantom of the Opera, and this is the first side of the disc. Yeah. And obviously Prowler is, to me, is just a perfect- It's a great opener, Perfect yeah. opener. Yeah. Um, maybe you need something that's catchy and simple in the middle. My yeah. only major problem with this, and look- the the it's the drums are great. Yep. Burr is awesome. Yeah, I it's agree. simple and elegant in that way. But it's obviously a little overplayed for me. It's super simplistic, and just I find that the guitar is particularly basic. 
And I'll, I'll, I'll highlight a clip for you. So that's kind of my perspective. Okay. You're giving me a smile, so you're going to be like, no, this is the best part. No, I know. Part. The guitar, the harmony guitar, and this is the best part. Harmony, perhaps. I got a clip that I would love to tee up for you that sums okay. up what's what I dislike about this song so much. So, I know you're you're gonna have a take. I'm on wondering this, how you're I can gonna say you. anything. Neg- how are you gonna find anything negative about what we I just, just heard? Because to me, that's like uh, there's some nice harmonies. I'm just dying for them to go at it there. I don't know why. I just that part of the song. That's I just what find I like, like about it. Like it's like, like the thin lizzy kind of dual harmony. Maybe it's just so overplayed. And when it breaks down into that, I love that. Here's here. Really and truly, my takeaway is this. It's, it's just, it's overplayed for me. I've been listening to it to pieces. Yeah. It's the only piece of made in Japan I don't like. It's just it's just so overplayed for me. Um, but it, when I listen to it in the album, it's a perfect relief in the album. Yep. But when I listen to it on its own, I'm just like left wanting. Now, I'm not ripping it apart. I yep. said I love this track, but this side of the disc, like this four tracks... Are all like ten out of ten, and this for me is a seven, seven and a half. Oh, really? Like that's that's oh, kind of where man. I put it. Maybe it's an eight. I have nothing bad to say about this track. All I right. love it. Now let's. I, I want to say that because I I might change my opinion after okay. you break down every hiccup they did in it. Well, it's uh okay. So track three. Yes. So this was the first single that they released from the album, February eighth, nineteen eighty. Went to number thirty four on the UK singles mm. chart. Um, we talked a bit about the cover art. Um, yeah. Last episode, they kind of yes. had Eddie hinted at Eddie, but they didn't show him. Um, B side, Burning Ambition. That's I'm not going to play that clip of Burning Ambition. Yeah, I, I feel played like, like we, five times on the we, podcast so far. For me, the coolest thing that came out of this. Yeah, and I'll, I'll recap it again. the The running free on this is the studio version, and the one on that other uh, compilation was the one from the German demo, right? Yeah, well, there was no German demo. Or, well, the West, what was it? The Wessex Studios. Wessex Studios. Oh, Wessex. Why did I think it was German? Anyway, so there was two versions, but this is the album version, and we played the other one. The coolest right, the thing The demo about that, went on Axe Attack Volume 1. Yeah. So the coolest thing about that single for me is it came out before, and the artwork hints at Electric Matthew. Yeah. Hints at Eddie, yeah, right? That so cool. that's the first actual appearance of Eddie. It's just a hand. No, it's just his face in the shadows. You can just kind of see the spiky hair. It's like a, a silhouette. Is like, it? Actually, I got the single here. Yeah. Is that? So or Eddie. is that Eddie there, the hand Well, in that's the, the thing. It has like a, an Eddie-looking hand. Yeah. But they say this is Eddie lurking in the shadows. Oh, okay. So that's But they actually... didn't want to give his face away because they wanted to save the Eddie for the... Uh, okay. So that's... But that's the first Eddie then. That's the first appearance of okay. Eddie. Okay. So that's album. what I think is coolest. So yeah. That's pretty carry cool. Carry on. Sorry to interrupt you. Um... We went through this in the early days. We said, so Space Word Studios demos, they record December 31st, 1978. Metal for Mother's demos, they record October 24th, 1979. And then the Soundhouse tapes come out, that's the Space Word Studio demos, come out as the Soundhouse tapes, November 9th, 1979. The Wessex Studios demos are recorded November 25th and 26th, 1979. Iron Maiden, the album, recorded January 1980. Then Axe Attack Volume 1 is released in early eight, 1980. And that has those the Wessex Studio demo version of Running Free. Yeah. Then the studio version of Running Free comes out as a single. Yeah. And then Metal from Mother's Compilation, and then the album comes out. Okay, okay. So the the demo version. Yeah. So they released a demo version of this on a compilation okay. before the single came out, which came out before the album. Do we have a clip of that? I do. I have. I played it in the early days. But I'll yeah, play we it again. went through it. I want to hear so it So this again. is the Wessex Studios... So this is actually recorded as a four-piece. It's Paul Diano, mm. Steve Harris, Dave Murray, and Doug Sampson on drums. But uh, this is the demo of Running Free. Spend the night in a jail Listen to Sirens will They ain't got a thing on me I'm running wild I'm running free, yeah I'm running free, yeah I'm running free I'm running free
So that was the demo of Running Free that came out. They recorded that in 79, and that came out two months before they recorded the album version. That yeah. came out on the Axe Attack single. So then they re-recorded this January of 1980 for the Iron Maiden album. Yeah. And that's is, the one that came out on the single. Yeah, which is a, a lineup. Uh, and there's a lineup change. And obviously the quality is not what the album quality is on the recording. Yeah. This and one has a kind of cool sound to it, though. It does. It does. Yeah. And I, I do like the Made in Japan version as well. But it is important when we, we do this album is to look at and just say, wow, you know, this has actually been released and recorded differently. It's not too often you get that. Yeah, so the single yeah. that came out and the version that's on the album is actually the second released version. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So now... So I, Mick Wall's book, Running Free, I have a yes. quote from Paul Diano. He says, This is a very autobiographical song, though of course I've never spent a night in an L.A. jail. It's about being 16 and, like it says, just running wild and running free. It comes from my days as a skinhead. Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah, Paul Diano. Before you give your take on it, I want to qualify one thing I said. And Diano has a writing credit, so I wonder if Diano does have a writing credit. Yeah. I don't like the repetitive nature of the vocals, and I don't think he's particularly good on this. No? No. Um, not that... It's not a standout song for... It just feels like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It, if you were in a, you know, in an asylum and they wanted to play a song on loop to drive you insane as quick as possible. Well, it's funny you say yeah. that. Okay, because Paul Diano, I have another <laughs> clip from Paul Diano. So do you know who Gary Glitter is? Wait, no. Wasn't he the pedo? Uh, yeah, he did yeah, turn out. Yeah, he's that pedo BBC kid. He BBC was. Guy. He was like yeah. a, a glam rock guy. But he was a big, like, glam rock star yeah. back in the 70s and 80s. And he did turn out to be like a dirtbag. Yeah. Uh, a dirtbag? Yeah. We don't want... <laughs> he's, he's a pedo. No, he's just a dirtbag. Okay, yeah, he's a... Yeah. So Paul Diano says, I can also remember coming up with the drum beat for Running Free after nicking the idea from a Gary Glitter song. So this is the Gary Glitter song that he's talking about, and this is where he came up with the idea for Running Free. I know that song. Yeah. That's a, that's a hockey. Yeah, they play that at every yeah, hockey That's a crowd game. song. Yeah. Yeah, people just scream into it. At the yeah. beginning of that, like, you can just hear the intro to Running Free. Like, yeah. It's crazy. So they, yeah, that's where Paul Diano says he got the idea for the drum. Oh, my God. Stop admitting beat. you're ripping stuff off. <laughs> no one would have linked that. Well, it's it's inspired by. It's not a yeah. rip off. That wasn't. Uh, yeah, let's hope that's the so only part of his life. So all those times you were life. at a hockey game and they're yeah. playing that, you're alluding to, like, a, a guy that's currently in prison for, like, child pornography <laughs> Gary Glitter really yeah scumbag Ugh. anyway back to the maiden away from Gary Glitter that's where the he, Paul Diano says he nicked the the drum beat yeah Um, they get an offer to play Top of the Pops I talked about this on the early years but they turned it down on, because Maiden refused to lip sync which was kind of unusual at the time because everyone just lip synced and played along to a backing track yeah at uh, on Top of the Pops at the time um, the Who were the only band, I think, eight years before The Who actually played live. So it was a big deal. Maiden was like, no, being asked to be on Top of the Pops. Yeah. And they're big. like, they're like, no, nah, not doing it unless we can play live. Yeah. It's a pretty big demand. Yeah. They did an awesome version, too. I have a clip of it here. I'll play this. They did a pretty cool version. They did a them great playing version. live on top of the pop. Yeah. Um, the part that you don't like is one yeah. of my favorite parts of the song. It, of course, because there's be. no guitar solo like you're saying, but there's this yeah. like descending guitar pattern that they play halfway through. It totally reminds me. It's like total Thin Lizzy style guitar harmonies. Yeah, and I love the little guitar part after the descending part. The drums, you know, when they kick in the, yeah. the three bars, and then there's that little lick that doodly doodly doodly. I love that part. Get out my way! 
So it's weird that my clip of my favorite part of the song yes. was the clip that you played earlier of the part that you are sick of. Coincides completely with mine. Yeah. You know why? Why's that? Because <laughs> you're an idiot. No, <laughs> no uh, definitely not. Um, look, we're looking at it. You're listening to that technically as someone who plays guitar and loves this it. This also reminds me yeah. of being in high school and sitting in with a guitar yeah electric guitar in my room and That's trying right. to play this. I could never quite play it. I could never quite That's right. get, you know what I mean? That's To me, it's just this big gap in a very short song between, you know, Diano constantly going running free where there's something should happen. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not trying to take this song yeah. down. I'm just like, I hold this I album at a high esteem and yeah. we got to get on here and critically evaluate it. And I, I don't want people to go away and go, he doesn't like that song. If I was to do, you know, my top Maiden songs, top 10, it wouldn't be in there. Yep. But... I would never ever. It's not in my top from, ten either. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't remove a playlist. I like it. Yeah. But right there, I'm just thinking like, it, yeah, it's early in the song, but I would love, you know, I love Transylvania. We'll get to that a little later. Yeah. But I find that maybe it's, I'm expecting. I don't like uh, Paul's vocals in this song, and I'm expecting someone to fix it. And the harmony piece, the fact that it's a harmony to me, it's just chugging along. It almost looks like two people filling time. That's the way I feel. Now, look, I'll put my yeah. ignorance out there. I could be wrong. But that's every time I listen to it, I'm just like, well. See, I don't know. I just love know, the guitar Except harmonies. when I'm listening to the whole album through and I'm just, I just come in there. It's this perfect break between two epic tracks. Yeah, it is, it is nice. Because you know? uh, it is kind of a yeah. simple thing before you get into like the crazy next track, which we're going to get into in a minute. Yeah. I don't know. It actually, when it. you look at it from a I single perspective. I love that. Get out of my way. Yeah. That's cool. Oh. This is another song yeah. that Bruce's versions don't compare at all. Oh. Yeah. Bruce does versions of this, and I don't think they were as good as... Uh, yeah, did he, there was no studio recording of it. No, there was a bunch live. of live yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, this song also, I have a soft spot in this because it reminds me of my buddy Terry that I was friends with in high school. Yeah. On the last day of class for, I think it was grade 10, Yeah. we just like listened to the song. On repeat. <laughs> now, now I've got, now I've got, Split. now I've got another reason to hate it. This is your express. You know what? What has Terry done for you lately? Hey, Nesbitt, you're off listening with Terry. Do you go hunting with Terry at the cabin with Terry? You know what? I hate this song now. From now on, we're not playing this song when we're in the truck going hunting. Just remind uh, you of Terry. I've got a deal. Terry's the best. <laughs> I've got another rare rarity here. Do you still message Terry? <laughs> no, I've lost touch with him. I don't even know where he is now. We're like best buds in grade 10. Good. <laughs> so uh, I have a clip. This is a rare one. This is Steve Harris singing Running Free. So I have a bootleg from 1980. Paul Diano had throat problems. So Steve Harris ended up singing at this maiden gig. And I have a bootleg uh-huh. of it. This is a short clip because the audio quality of this is really harsh. Wow. This is a really poor quality, but uh, here's Steve Harris singing Running Free. quality that's pretty uh, crappy but that's yeah. Steve Harris singing and a lot of people think that this bootleg is the one where Paul Diano got arrested with the switchblade and yeah. make, but it's not because if you listen to the whole show Paul Diano's there and he sings sometimes and he talks between songs and he introduces Steve Harris yeah so he is at the show he just he was having throat problems and he couldn't sing yeah and they gave away a song yeah. that's manageable but when I hear him singing that first off he sounds different than I would have thought yeah, and uh, even though you know the quality is not so great, but yeah, um, yeah it's interesting, and uh, it's a song you think you could sing, but like there's actually some gravel in that that will oh, rip yeah. your voice apart if you're not. I don't understand why this isn't a staple of classic rock radio. Running free. It's short. It's catchy. It's short and concise. It's yeah. not too heavy and it's not too soft. It's 
one of those songs, like the first time you hear it, you're going to like it. Mm. Like, why isn't this played on classic rock radio all the time? Yeah, it would. that's a good question. Because, you, know, you know, all of my complaints don't fit that mold at all. That's that's all of every, all of my complaints would translate to every classic rock major song. Yeah, because classic rock radio, I, like, yeah. they don't play a lot of Maiden. No. They... It's the first single. It's on it from that. Yeah, and but they don't play album. a lot of Maiden because... And I can yeah. see that they're kind of shy away because they think of Maiden and they're like, oh, that's metal. We don't want to play metal. We want to yeah. stick more classic rock. But this is almost like a rock, classic rock song. Yeah. K-Rock in the shed. We got to get yeah. Colin in. Oh, God. Should I tell them about my uh, K-Rock app? Yeah. <laughs> that's for another time. Another time, perhaps. I love the ending of this song, too. That's great Paldiano uh, screaming. Yeah. There's that a few album. interesting endings on this yeah. album. There's a lot of cool stuff on this album. Yeah. If you pay attention, and there's a lot of, and you dig yeah. into it. Yeah. But that's a, it's a perfect kind of song. I know what you mean because. They needed something to break those tracks up. And then they give you this and then yeah. they come out of this. We'll get into the next track now. Yes. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast possibly the best podcast in the world phantom of the opera yes one of my top 10 maiden songs of all time Mm. Uh, maiden's first epic it's just total like oh you'll love this that's prog rock Prog with all the time and... changes and different riffs and stuff. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites of these two, it's my favorite song probably out of these two Diano albums, and it's in my top 10 Maiden all-time songs. If I need to choose between Iron Maiden and Killers, I used to always say, there's a long time when I said Killers was my favorite Maiden album. Hmm. And then I kind of bounced around from here to there and whatever. If you put Iron Maiden and Killers next to each other now, Iron Maiden is always going to win as my favorite of these two Diano albums. Really? Because of this song. That's really? the one reason. Because I could go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but Fan of the Opera, boom, i got to go with Iron Maiden. Really? Yeah. Really? Both, both of the albums have dropped a little bit for me with the Diano perspective. Yeah. But, boy, that's a tough one. I, You know what? I find Killers, relative to the rest of the album, still got a rough production value. Yeah. So I still like it. And well, the roughness kind of comes out. Yeah. Yeah, well, it comes out of... That. Listen, they're both amazing albums. They're both, yeah. But the, the edge will always go to Iron Maiden because of this song. Yeah. I don't think Killers has a song as good as this on it. You know what? I'd have to probably uh, default back to my listening patterns, and I do listen to this album more than Killers. Yep. Yeah. Well, listen to them but both. I love but Killers. I, love but killers I, I say I love Killers, but... Yeah. We are talking uh-huh. about like a 10 versus a 9.99. Yeah. <laughs> but the edge That's goes true. to Iron Maiden because of the song. This is... I can't say enough good stuff about it. Although I'm mm. going to say... I'm going to say tons of good stuff about it now. <laughs> yeah. You got so an intro riff? Yeah. Go I ahead. Got a, I got a few. Oh, the intro. I want to say something okay. on the intro first. Go for it. This is such a distinctive intro for them. Oh, I just yeah. find when they, when, as soon as it comes in, I almost feel like they're saying Phantom of Opera and like, you know, it's, yeah. it almost sounds like it. As soon as I hear it, it's just so distinctive. And I find I can get a mash uh, with the, every intro in Maiden, especially yep. the classics are different. But I find I get a mash up my mind. This one just stands out to me. I yeah, love it's it. Very unique. Yeah. The intro. So it's two guitars and the bass all playing in harmony. Mm. Uh, Steve Harris's fingers when he plays this riff. If you watch the live at the Rainbow 1980, they show a close up of Steve Harris's like picking hand. I guess mm. it's his strum, not strumming, whatever hand during the intro. And what he's doing with his fingers, and I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Like, he's just insane guitar pl- or bass guitar bass player. player yeah. So I think you're right. This is completely, like you said, it's unique. This is a completely unique riff. So yeah, awesome riff. Like the guitar harmonies are great. And just listen to the intro, the bass playing in the intro. Yeah. 
That's so awesome. Man, I love it. Yeah. What a that gallop he leads up. I yeah. know. It's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That makes the intro. That explains why it may. Yeah. That's awesome. He's, man, he's really, he breaks the mold with the bass. It's not yeah. just rhythm, right? It's, oh, it's yeah. There's so much to it. Well, it's just, it's just ramp up. It's like yeah. the intro, intro. And then when it kicks off and then you hear Paul Diano doing this. Oh, yeah. It's like pure Paul Diano. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Awesome. It's really cool. It sums up. That's what I love about like Paul Diano. He's just like rocking out. Mm. And that part leads to the super fast like riffing part for a bit. And then it goes to that intro riff again with like the first verse lyrics laid over it. It's a weird vocal intro, the way it like kind of lays over that super fast riff. Like the way the words lay over yeah. the instruments is kind of strange. Like there's this full band rocking out and then the drums drop out entirely until the end of the vocal line and then they come in on like the last syllable. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It's it's I don't know, it's pretty unique. So here's a clip of that. Cool. It's like I've been looking so long. Was it for you now? You won't get away from my grasp. Yeah. It's almost like he's Steve Harris is playing that intro riff, yeah. but the guitars drop out, and Steve or Paul, not Steve Paul is singing yeah. what the guitars were playing in the intro riff. Yeah, so it's that same riff, but it's, instead of being two guitars and bass, it's just bass and voice. Yeah, and it's a perfect backdrop for his vocals yeah. too. It just fits so well. Yeah, and Paul sounds so great on this album. Like he's really, I just love him, the way he, like, just the way he like emotes all the lyrics well in fairness he's dialed in and so early in his tenure right yeah so he's like he's not burned out from all the touring yet yeah and he just sounds awesome i've been losing love for you now you won't get away from my grasp you've been so long and hiding and hiding behind that false mask like he's really good sustaining those notes and he has wow. just the right amount of like gruffy gruff raspiness in his voice which is cool yeah it's funny how we we always think of him as this raspy but like when you hear him like that it's not yeah he can really hold an awesome yeah. Yeah, note like that that's that's actually yeah. awesome and i don't know people don't pay that much attention to the harmonies but listen to these harmonies you know i know that you ain't got that not to you look and your feelings are just the remains of your pain But it's pretty cool. And there's harmonies, yeah. like, there's a ton of vocal harmonies on this song. Yeah. And they kind of get lost in the mix they a do, little bit. Yeah. But when you pull them out, like, that's just awesome. Yeah, I always think of vocal harmonies now. I just always listen to them and I think that they're either stacked or they're stretched or something yeah. going on. I don't really think of them as, like, yeah, you know. But apparently this song had a lot to do with Dennis Stratton getting kicked out of the band. Because Steve Harris went into the studio and he was, like, messing in the stu- in the studio with, like, the producer kind of mixing the song and adding layer and layer of vocals on top of it, making kind of these queen style harmonies. Yeah. And Steve Harris and Rod Smallwood were like, what are you doing? And that was like a big check against him, a mark against him for yeah. him being kicked out of the band. Just basically he was on his own and they're messing around with stuff. Or I think it might've been with the producer. I got a quote yeah. here from Dennis Stratton. If you want to hear yeah, exactly how do. he says it. He said, I took Phantom of the Opera, which was always a great song at its core and added a load of harmony guitars and falsetto vocals to our basic recording. The engineer helped me layer the sounds, adding track after track. And when we played it back, it sounded like Queen. I thought it was fantastic. But when we were listening back to the track, Rod Smallwood came up behind me in the control room. I don't. I didn't know he was there. And at the end of the song, he said, "You can get rid of all that. It sounds like fucking Queen." So it never made the cut. Wow. Yeah. So they were just, you know, building up their layers on different. They weren't damaging anything. No, they're just like recording in a stack. Yeah. Like you have all these different tracks, right? You just record track over track over. Track. Why would they be upset? But you can mix something. Them in I don't know because yeah. it's not Maiden. That's not what Maiden was about at the time. Fair not enough. what his idea of Maiden was. Yeah. Fair enough. I'd love to go back and hear what he actually had recorded. I know. Because Dennis Stratton has a great voice. Yeah. So I guess he was the one laying all these harmonies on. Yeah. Hmm. But I do not like those Queen vocals, man, when you get like track after track yeah. after track. It's, uh, all we have is the really... reference to that quote, yeah, but anything it. anything Queen would not fit on this album. I'd love to hear what it sounded like. <laughs> you but would. the Queen harmonies, man, would ruin this song for me. The harmonies that are in there, though, are great. Hmm. So that's the first two verses and that riff up until around two minutes. Yeah. Then you get this time change. Yeah. 
love the first part of the song yeah i think i love the second part of the song even more yeah it's one thing i love is how they transition to that different timing mm. like the harmonies are cool in there but clive starts hitting he plays this beat and the fill is just him hitting the thomas voice instead of doing this big fill this yeah. is like a really good example of clive his feel and how he doesn't overplay yeah like the transition's cool and then he's playing this beat and he's just like boom boom as his yeah. fill, which right. totally fits the song. I actually have a clip of that pulled out, and uh, I could listen to Clive Burr's drum tracks all the time on this album. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's less got a cool is thing more. going on the symbols, and then that fills it. It just does something. It's very simple. Yeah, but it fits perfectly. Yeah. See, some drummers just can't can't stop yeah. moving. It's and, really restraint, and he just lets yeah. the song kind of. And the 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 irony of it is that if you play like that, then they'll mix your drums at a higher level. Whereas if you like just roll and just barf all the time over everything, you're just smashing the crap out of it. It just makes yeah. you do a background noise, yeah. right? That's a lot of the yeah. modern metal turns yeah. me off because the drums are just like, yeah. it's like, just let the song breathe a little bit. You don't have to fill every inch of the song with like That's true. Sound. Although I do love what they're doing with bass pedals now. I do really like it as much as I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember I got on one time. I was like, oh, this garbage. No, I don't now mind I'm that too. It. Like, uh, yeah. you know, if it's and, occasional or if it's used for yeah. dramatic effect. But yeah. when you have like a blast beat running through the song, I'm like, it's too yeah. much. What the song? You're like the song. You're suffocating the essence of the song yeah. under layers of I don't know. But Burr, Burr is very much a purist, like in the, in a way, isn't he? Oh, he's like, a great drummer, man. Yeah, I love it. So then you get through this part that we were just talking about, mm. and then you get into another awesome part, the Dave Murray solo. You know when it breaks down? Yeah, the song after this kind of like almost like Paul's in a fight vocals. It's like, you know, back and forth. Then it almost turns into an instrumental. Yeah, you I know? love... I mentioned this many times on the podcast, how Dave Murray, when he does yeah. those like bluesy slow That's what I was going to say. Solos. I got my notice. This is the most bluesy oh, solo yeah, on the it's album. So great. Yeah. So it starts out with this fast kind of twisting riff. Yeah. And then it goes into this like driving kind of throbbing part. Yep. And then that drops out into this slow jam with like Dave Murray. And it's awesome. I love Dave Murray's guitar solos like that. It's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. So it comes out of that awesome guitar solo. And then there's like a second of silence Mm -hmm. before the bass comes in. Yeah. So there's this silence there. And there's a cool little detail in there. I don't know if you ever noticed before. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have probably not noticed it before. Um, Paul Dianahood does this like exhaling sound. And it's kind of hard to hear, but now that when I point it out to you, you'll hear it all the time when you hear the album. If you crank the song up, you'll hear it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the song, and then I cranked up the Paul Diano part. My next, my next part there is like the bass ramp up. Yeah, but in between yeah. that, just listen to this. It's just a little detail, but I noticed it, and I always notice it now. Wow. I know. I always thought that was a symbol. I thought it was a splash. Yeah. yeah. It's not. It's Paul no. Diano exhaling. So now whenever you hear that song, you'll hear, and you'll be like, oh, that's Paul Diano. And he's that's like, Paul Diano, that's crazy. It's cool. It's a cool little detail. Yeah, that is a nice yeah. little detail. Yeah, yeah. If you've been listening, uh, you know, 80-odd episodes, <laughs> this is the reason. It's all been worth it. <laughs> I love finding these little things, though. And yeah. there's, 
the song starts to ramp up again from the silence and you get like the bass comes in and then you get the two guitar players yeah. doing like triplets and the bass and no drums yeah. the same way they kind of did at the beginning in the beginning section. Yeah. And then when the drums kick back in and the song like kind of builds up again from that pause. Yeah. Like this is such an awesome. It's such a great harmony. And also when you, when you talked about in the, you know, the last track, um, but the harmonies, this is way better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But this builds, listen to this build, the way they rebuild the track from silence. amazing harmonies it also kicks off like a, a basically an instrumental track that lasts right up until yeah, like Paul I know. closes this, it out this is what I'm yeah. saying about their first full on epic full this on is epic. an epic for sure yeah um, but if you the guitar you're right about the guitar harmonies they're really yeah. cool I have a clip here of the guitar harmonies that they're actually playing through there and I kind of go back and forth between the two guitars you can kind of hear what they're playing and it's even more impressive when you like dig into the detail of it I love the I love guitar harmonies, and th- you're right. This is better than anything I'm running for you. But this is so cool. It's so amazing. Dave, Marie, and Dennis Stratton. Yeah. I, I almost didn't hear anything after you said you were right. Take that, <laughs> take that, Trevor. Take that, Trevor. Oh, you mean Terry. Terry. Take that, Terry. <laughs> I don't even want to know his name. Don't utter his name around me. That's awesome. So after that, then yeah. you're into the, the full-on guitar solos. Because there yes. there's been a lot of guitar playing on this on this song. Yeah. But then you get the full-on. Yeah, the back-to-back. Dennis Stratton and Dave Murray. Yeah. Yeah, Dave takes a, a quick one. And then mm. Dennis Stratton takes a solo. As much as I love Dennis Stratton, you can hear Den- Dave Murray's kind of a little on another bit of a, you think kind so? of on a better level than Dave Murray. Uh, you can hear the difference when the guitar solo like switches from one guy mm. to the other guy because the guitar tones are different. But uh, listen to you hear Dave Murray at the beginning and then Dennis Stratton come in. So I picked Stratton solo here is probably one of my favorite on the album. It's definitely, I yeah. think, his best. Well, he's doing kind of the Adrian yeah. thing. He does. Where he does the, the more memorable melodic solo, and he's, Dave's doing the... Yes, but there was no Adrian thing at this stage. No, this I know. This is before yeah. Adrian. So yeah. is Adrian doing the Stratton thing? Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. you know, and when I look at that, yeah, you're right, comparatively. But I mean, would you say that later on, like, Adrian is as good or better than Murray? I, I don't know. It's like, know. they're different. Different styles. It's hard to yeah, Different styles. Like I think that is so awesome. And the way they mesh together, I think if they'd have gone on together. And then they go, yeah. He wouldn't have been. No one would be, you know, eight albums in going, oh, they need to replace Stratton. Like, come no, on. No, it's all He's in awesome. hindsight. Yeah. It's all hindsight. Yeah, right. Adrian's amazing. We've basically been just talking for the last 20 episodes about how, you know, the whole perspective has changed. And when he was out, it was just not the same. But man, yeah. Stratton is solid. That's uh, yeah. that, that blows me away. They're both, it's, yeah. uh, this song is amazing. And then it comes out of that, we heard mm. it, the, the solos kind of, they go into this kind of guitar harmony again. 
Yeah. And then they come out of that and they go back into that driving part and then they finish yeah. up with that intro riff again. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a masterpiece. It is. And I love, uh, at the end of the remastered version, they tack on this to the very end of the song. me back at you now! But then there's the echo back. Yeah, can you hear how much like how much yeah how much effects are on the vocals for that little snippet they put at the end? Yeah, that's super cheese. Like yeah. the the yeah, it's that echo back. But it's not just the the torture me back at your lair. Then the, then they like repeat it back. Did you have that full piece in the clip there? That's the part that they stuck at the end. Like the song ends and then they stick that on. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So but that that's, was the last piece. Yeah, because they because the they repeat lines. that line before, then it comes back. It's yeah. one of the harmony lines from the end of the song. That's right. That they take and they yeah. tack it on. Yeah. I, I my my takeaway on that is that's like super cheesy, and uh, but it's good cheese. Oh yeah, totally. I like it. It's good yeah. cheese. So it's awesome. I love that little uh, so that little exhale thing. Remember I picked out at the end where it's like ah, but yeah. it's, and you always thought it was a symbol. I always did too. Yeah. But it's Paul Diano exhaling. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of little cool ad libs that Paul does in this song if you crank up the vocals. Um, like listen to this. So that's cranked up in the in the mix really loud so you can hear them. But I love that. He's like, yeah. hey, oh, it's just, I don't know, it's all these little Paul-isms yeah. sprinkled in there. I view that because in the beginning, like, you know, you talked about there's the harmony coming in. And then I thought Paul Paul is great in this song. Oh, but, yeah. like, he's got basically three verses he goes through. And the third verse, like you highlighted, the timing changes. Yeah. And he has this, like, kind of – and it's awesome – but then there's like three or four minutes of instrumentals and like he's just standing in the middle. So I always picture like he's just standing there like, what's he doing? Yeah. So right? they're, yeah, they're like rocking out and he's just yeah. kind of like, yeah. every now and then he's like, yeah. Oh. Oh. And if you really listen, you can hear that. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> How's six the minutes, beer? And that's what, <laughs> if you slow it down, you can hear Josh exhaling. Six minutes into Phantom, you'll hear the, yeah. you'll hear uh, him going like, oh. Yeah. He's just cool. telling everybody he's still yeah. alive. Right? So I got a quote from Steve Harris and he says, Phantom is one of the best pieces I've ever written and certainly one of the most enjoyable to play. It's got all these intricate guitar lines, which keep it interesting. Then there's the slow middle part, which creates quite a good mood. Yeah. <laughs> it's also got fast, heavy parts, which are really rocking. And it's also got areas for crowd participation. It pretty much covers all the bases for the band and a good example of what I wanted to get across. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of their best songs. Um, I'm not, huge on the theme the lyrics to me don't make a ton of sense i'm not a fan of the opera fan that's true too yeah i've never really thought of that the lyrics to me are just kind of like yeah. yeah whatever but i put this one of the best but the the reason i say that is is here's the two main reasons the first one is that they hit it so right early on on an, on an epic and every epic that you love tends to have a piece you don't like they've sewn this together so well from a timing perspective it's almost perfect if I was to sum up the the worst example of what I'm trying to demonstrate, the Dance of Death, Valley of Death, you know, that that there's that piece that just doesn't match in the middle or they try and bridge two oh, songs. Oh, the song Dance of Death? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the song Dance of Death. Yeah. Um, you know, you see that or, or sometimes that awkward timing changer. There's something yeah. that's added to or they add something in the middle of an epic track with like an instrumental to actually just mesh two parts of a sign that are differently timed. Yeah, like you when know they what take I mean? parts and kind of yeah. this one sounds perfectly. It crafted, flows completely through. But even sometimes the solos. they'll take some parts and try to stick them together yeah. and create. So a track. we'll stick a solo in the middle and. Yeah, uh, the man who would be king. I said that about that. It sounds like a uh, bunch of parts stuck together, but doesn't really sound like a song. But good point. There's a couple of songs I had that comment with. Yeah. Um, I have another quote here. Tonight is a really special night for us and we would like to play a very, very special song which we haven't played for many, many years. It's a song which I was in a band a long time ago, before I was in Iron Maiden. There was the new wave of British heavy metal. Well, sometime before you were born. Anyway, embarrassingly, huh? I was in a band called Samson and Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden was our support band one evening. Well, they blew us off stage. And they played this one song. And I've never heard a metal band play a song like this before. 
And this song really is everything that Iron Maiden is all about. So Bruce said it there, this song is everything that Iron Maiden is all about. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. He's uh, completely comfortable with it, and I love it. Yeah. This is a pretty rousing endorsement. Usually I always say, like, let Paul sing the Paul songs, and Bruce doesn't do as good of a version of the Paul era stuff. If you listen to Beast, I have a clip here from Beast Over Hammersmith. This Bruce, like, nails the song. He just, like, is attacking the song. He sounds, like, hungry. The whole band's playing, like, super aggressive. This is an amazing version of Phantom of the Opera, and it's Bruce singing it. That's an yeah. awesome version. We should got to do that Beast Over Hammersmith. Yeah, we have a, to do that. As an, as an yeah. episode, a full episode. I, I like the way they're attacking it, but to me, that's just a playway scene. I think the timing's off. I think it feels a bit rushed. Maybe. Yeah. If you look feels... at it with the video, though, it's just, I don't know. No, I don't I don't like the... No. Uh, the, See, I, like, yeah. I think this comes off really... I know uh, what you Bruce mean. sounds good. Because sometimes when rushed. they speed up the songs, yeah. it, the, pa- the, the faster pace kind of takes away something. Yeah. I'm in love with the album version of this. Yeah, too. me too. It's a tough I'm one. I'm telling you, it's one Because it's so instrumental. Yeah. It's not like a, it's just such a, yeah. It's one of these ones where I don't know if, if playing live, you know, is, I don't know. It's, but that, that's, I will put this, you know, it's just an opinion right now in the, in the, in the moment. I don't listen to Beast Over Hammersmith. I've got to listen to it. Yeah. Um, but like Iron Maiden, the final track on this album, we'll break it down next time. But I mean, I hate hearing it on an album. Like it's it's the opposite, right? Uh, so with like Iron is, Maiden, the song. Yeah. Part of me hates the song Iron Maiden <laughs> yeah. because to me it means your Iron Maiden concert's almost over, and I'm yes. like, no. Yeah, so I'm like, right. don't play Iron Maiden yet. Don't play it. Don't when play I hear it. it, I'm like, ah. Yeah, but it, it also ends the album. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. the only thing I don't like about it. That's that's a cool Classic version, and, track. and Bruce's feedback is that's awesome. Yeah. And seven minutes. In 20 seconds. Yeah. It doesn't feel doesn't like that. feel it. like it. This no. song, if you told no. me this was four it feels, and a half. It feels half as long as Running Free. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? A great, great joke I heard today online. I got I to throw it in here. Uh, someone said, like, someone released a study saying vegetarianism is, uh, you know, is, is, no, is not proven to extend your life. And it said, as a matter of fact, like, there's no real data. It's just some scientific, you know, online yeah, all this yeah. stuff. I'm not knocking it. I've, yeah. I've lived uh, semi-vegetarian for a while. I eat a lot of vegetables, but I'm a meat eater. But then the first reply underneath it was a guy said, you might live the same length of time if you're a vegetarian, but it'll feel a lot longer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that take is important on these tracks. Like, cause, yeah. uh, this does not feel long, which tells you you're enjoying it. But It's, uh, it's like a steak. Could take it, take a half an hour. Phantom of the Opera. I I feel like I could do a whole episode. I feel like we almost just did a whole episode of Phantom (laughs) of the Opera. (laughs) Yeah, we're at an hour. Yeah. So that's uh that's all the tracks we're gonna do. I have one more clip. I'm just gonna play this just because. Just throw it in. This is just Clever's drumming on this song.
I so could cool. listen. It's almost got like a jazzy the way he plays the cymbals against the drums. Like it does. I don't know how to. I don't know much about the, how to describe drumming, but it has like this jazzy swing to it, kind of. You know what I mean? It does. Jazz is defined by like a three, four time though. It's a different feel. Um, but um, what you're thinking about it there is just there's no splashing. It's just like it's just very, very soft playing, and and yeah. the, the the heads are tuned like they're damped a bit. And he almost kind of falls yeah. behind the beat a bit and like ding ding. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. I don't know how to describe it. That's, that's cool. That's a, uh, everything on there Classic. just indicates a, an Classic. amazing drummer who's just really confident and likes to use likes to use silence. Like I, you know, to me that's just the key. Like, yeah, he's not overplaying yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, like anyone can can do a, a line of cocaine and just rail the hell out of a drum set. <laughs> it's another thing to use it appropriately. And when you have two guitarists yeah. playing guitar harmonies and a bass going wild, right? Yeah. You it, it'd be very easy to like ruin the song by overplaying because it'd be so much going on yeah when this it was such a busy guitar line and busy bass line for him to hold back like that and just kind of keep a feel give the song a feel yeah it's just I don't know, it's but cool. that but that's that's a very jazz concept because they don't overpower they tend to you know they most of them grow up playing in like you know clubs and stuff and then they're always they're such a free fluent like a lot of jazz drummers will just oscillate and go free like a good a good comparison too i find is whenever i watch late night TV, yep. which is not very often, but I always watch the drummers in the band. Like oh, yeah. they just follow jokes, and like they don't know the timing of the joke, and then they'll like, you know, it's, some of them are just pulling out the same stuff all the yeah. time. But sometimes you just they 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 hit a few beats, and I'm like, man, you really got to be in tune. And they're not too loud, they're not too quiet. It's just so cool. Yeah, but I mean, for me, he's awesome. And you can you can also contrast. We haven't done that's a preview for the drumming episode. We're yeah, do. which yeah. we've been talking about forever. We're gonna yeah. eventually do that. But you can tell. Like, if you want to read into it, not to get ahead of ourselves, but if you want to read into it, like, a few of the band members have criticized, uh, you know, Nico for his timing. And then I would criticize, not criticize him, I would just say aspects of his style, because he's world class, um, are that, um, you know, overpowered at times and just too too much going on. Yeah. And we've talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, we talked about when he he plays Hallowood Be Thy Name compared to Clive. I think we did a back-to-back. Yeah. And our criticism and the criticism of the band with respect to him uh, playing too fast are both strong contrast to Burr, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, anyway, it's interesting. Not that not that Nico's not world class. It's just, Yeah, know. they have different styles kind yeah. of. But uh, for Clother, for side one of the album, awesome. Look wow. at Prowler. So you got Prowler, which is like an awesome opener. Amazing. Remember Tomorrow, which is like a slow jam with a crazy yeah. freak out in the middle. Yeah. Then you get Running Free, which is kind of like the... It's a gap. It's a break. See, to me, Running yeah. Free is like the kind of classic rock kind of yeah. easy, like a... It's not the challenging of a listen. Yeah. Which is kind of, you're like, oh, I'm running free. This is like the kind of yeah. pop rock. Not Thanks. pop, but like this rock. It's kind of got a simple structure to it. It's the verse, chorus, yeah. verse thing. And then they bang. Hit you. Really, when you come out of that, you're like, oh, that was, you know, I yeah. think I know what Iron Maiden's about. And then bang. Yeah. Hate with Phantom of the Opera, seven minutes. If you're being strategic about it, Prowler is the perfect opener. Remember Tomorrow is well-placed. Running Free was the single, right? Yeah. You know? So you're pulling people right into it. Yeah. And, and then uh, before yeah. the end of the side of the album, yeah. before you flip the album, you hit with Phantom of the Opera, and you're like, wow. Yeah. Um, to me, it blows the second side away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, got, I, you got the version here with Sanctuary. We were looking at yeah, the back Yeah, I have album. a couple of different versions here. Yeah. This one does. This one doesn't. Yeah. This is the yeah. It it yeah. It just blows the. That's how I've been listening to the album. I've been listening without sanctuary. Yeah, we're not going to talk about sanctuary yeah. until we're finished the album, and then we're going to talk about it we'll as a bonus about it track, just because I yeah. won't get into why it was left off and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think it blows the second side away. Yeah, maybe you're right. I love mm. Strange World. I love. I don't know. We'll get into it. When we yeah. Get into episodes. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. All so right. This, I feel like this episode was like 70% fan of the album. Yeah. That's okay because one of my top 10 Maiden songs. Yes, absolutely. And great clips. Yep. Clip This this episode was clip-alicious. <laughs> yeah. This beer was great. Summer Days India Pale Ale from Darwin yeah. Brewing Company in yeah. Bradenton, Florida. That's, wow, it's a great beer. Yeah. Far better than the old scudsy Labatt Blue you used to drink with Terry <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> the man whose name shall not be spoken. Um, Josh is jealous because I listened to Iron Maiden with someone else. With someone school. else, yeah. <laughs> you know. All right. TalkingMaiden.com slash talk. Yep. Feedback there. Facebook, Twitter, we're on all that stuff. 
excellent beer, excellent clips, Nesbitt. Until next time, up the irons and down the hops. Thank you.